sorry. No, you're what? totally fine. <laughs> Forgot what we were doing. Okay. Hello, this is Spook 30 Podcast. I'm Spooky Erica. And I'm Spooky Jacob. And together, we are the, the Spooky, Spooky Sisters. Sisters. Today, we've each brought you a spooktacular story about everyone's favorite monster, vampires. So tense up, find the edge of your chair, because I've checked the clock, and it's Spook 30. Deep in the mountains of Transylvania lies a castle that has a spooky inhabitant known for saying things like, I never drink. Why? And coming into rooms with the announcement, I am Dracula. Dracula is one of the most legendary monsters ever, leaving audiences terrified and captivated for over 100 years. When Dracula moves from his Transylvanian castle to London in search of new blood to feed his vampire cravings, he begins to wreak havoc. Dracula begins preying on Lucy at night, while everyone sleeps. Attempts to ward off the vampire with garlic and crucifixes fail, and Lucy dies from suspicious blood loss. What, what's he done to you today? Tell me. As people become wary of Dracula and his lurkings, he begins attacking. He came to me. He opened a stain in his arm, and he made me drink. After a terrifying, thrilling, and long fight, Dracula is killed by a dagger to the throat, bringing an end to the horrors of Count Dracula. When I watched Dracula for the first time as a kid, my parents told me it was a horror movie. I remember watching it and asking, what about this is so scary? To be told, well, back in the day, this was really scary. If we take a closer look at the context that Bram Stoker's Dracula came out of, we might be able to understand the fear people living back in the day, which I guess means Victorian England, had towards Count Dracula. When Dracula was written in the late 1800s, England was experiencing intense immigration from Eastern Europe. Between 1880 and 1910, over 120,000 Russian Jews moved and settled in England. So what does immigration have to do with a vampire king? Dracula's key features of a thick Eastern European accent and large nose play into stereotypes people in Victorian England would have had about the people moving to their cities. Most monsters are shaped by the perspectives of their victims and are direct reflections of the society that creates them. So knowing what we know about 1890s England, we can understand that Bram Stoker's Dracula was not only a terrifying tale of a vampire king on the loose in the streets of London, but made a subconscious appeal to the societal fears the British had about immigration. I remember the craze of Twilight, the books, movies, fan fiction, and the influx of vampire content after. Vampires in pop culture have become a very sought after fantasy, but not in the same way as the old Dracula. As a child, I knew vampires to be pale, blood-sucking demons who had no soul, would burn in the daylight, and cared nothing other than to drink human blood. That idea of vampires has changed. Today, vampires are sexy. They are creatures of the night that are terrifying, but also alluring. Let's look at why sex, seduction, and souls can be so scary. 
In a country that is arguably very morally Protestant, stemming from our history of Puritans, Calvinists, and other conservative Protestant churches, sex, bodies, and seduction are often taboo subjects in America. Chastity is regarded as the most biblical view on the social and moral issue of sex. Once you have sex, you're bound forever to that person, even if you marry another, as stated in an evangelical manual on sex titled Holy Sex. Premarital, extramarital, or non-heterosexual sex is seen as a stray from God and a sin. These thoughts have long been in Christianity, but only come to be a social issue after the sexual revolution in the 60s in America. To conservative Protestants, sex is limited and not a topic to tread lightly. Okay, so what does this have to do with sexy vampires? Well, as Jacob talked about earlier, vampires are the person-like embodiment of the fears of the people. To Western Europeans, it was the non-Christians, Jews. And to Americans, starting in the 1960s, it was sexual beings, sexy vampires. It is not a new Christian idea, but it becomes more of a public debate after the sexual revolution. Jesus and Paul both called for abstinence over having marital sex. Sexual abstinence helps to anticipate the physically perfect body all true believers will receive at the resurrection at the end of history, as Indigo notes in his book, Sex and Religion. We can see that sex and sexual activities can lead to some unsavory consequences. The scary part about modern vampires is that they are physically perfect, but not in heaven or at the end of a life. They are immortal, living as perfect creatures on earth, while the humans must wait for this perfect heavenly immortality. This creates an extra layer of desire towards vampiric life. When a monster who is the embodiment of the loss of your purity, your perfect godly body, and ultimately your salvation, then it becomes clear to see the terror in such a creature. Sexy vampires have given a face to the conservative Protestant fears of bodily sin, which can lead to the loss of your pure soul. These beautiful taboo creatures have become popular through what truly makes them evil, their sex, seduction, and soul tainting. And now, a dramatic reenactment of Twilight. You're impossibly fast and strong. Your skin is pale and white and ice cold. Your eyes change color. And sometimes you speak like you're from a different time. You never eat or drink anything. You don't go out in the sunlight. I know what you are. Say it. Out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> He's a vampire. Well, that seems to be the end of our time. We hope you had fun and learned something about those who create the monsters that scare us. Let us know what other monsters you'd like to learn about in the comments. Also, all resources are cited below. I'm Erica. And I'm Jake. Thanks for listening to Spook 30. Spook 30.